this is Sean Williams. And this is Kevin Moore. And welcome to Fashion Decipher. This episode will be speaking about black dandies. Kevin and I had a chance to visit the Brooklyn Museum where we sat through a forum of several people talking about what black dandyism is, what it represents, um, and about the style in general. In that forum, they, they broke down the essence of dandyism, how it's, it's a way of dressing uh, people from the African diaspora in certain nations where certain folks do not have rights. People wear bright colors, certain fabrics, certain style as a way to express who they are, as expressed to being muted, but also very loud at the same time. You know, at the forum we went to, not only was it just elegant with the people who dressed there and the people right. that we met, but we also had the opportunity to interview a couple of gentlemen um, at the time. Absolutely. We had a chance to speak to Ignacio Quiles. He's a model and style expert, expert and, and also an influencer uh, from the dandy style. He's based out of Harlem. He's from Harlem. And he had a, we had a chance to speak to him about a couple of things that he felt that black dandyism is and about style in general. So let's listen to some of the notes and sounds of that interview. Mm-hmm. What do you think the mark of a well-dressed man is? The mark of a well-dressed man is a very interesting question. Uh, it depends on what you're looking for, but in the classic sense, it would be uh, a well-tailored suit, uh, a, a good haircut, and a nice pair of shoes or well-heeled shoes. I, I call it the holy trinity um, uh, fashion, which is uh, a good tailor, a good cobbler, and a good barber or a good groomer. So those things put together create a well-dressed man. And like a complete package. Yeah, like a complete package, and it doesn't really matter what he's wearing uh, or she's wearing in that sense, if you're going to be gender neutral. Right. Um, but it's just the, uh, the way in which you carry yourself, you know, when you, when you, like when you get a new shirt and how you feel. And, and if we can embody that all the time, mm-hmm. that's a well-dressed person, whether you're wearing jeans or not. Right, you know? you're absolutely right. And how did you develop your own personal style? Ah, it was a long journey. <laughs> uh, this is a long, long journey. I'm a big fan of old movies. Mm-hmm. Um, being Growing up in Harlem and seeing Harlem and going to churches and stuff, seeing uh, my uncles and cousins dress up a little bit more perfume and cologne that I wanted to wear, I didn't wear that. <laughs> I had a very sensitive nose even then, but um, watching them dress and looking out the window and seeing the cats in the Stacey Adams and seeing the cats in the beautiful suits and getting our, uh, 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 you know, our tailor-made clothes, which we didn't know was bespoke, but all of these elements, growing up and seeing that and making hundreds and hundreds of mistakes and having good friends that were instrumental to me uh, and also doing my research, you know, like reading. Reading is fundamental, as they say, but it is so true. Um, reading and learning and learning about the different aspects of fashion, what, what it embodies. And then, and then, yeah, taking elements. I took elements. Uh, you know, I took my Latin elements, the reds and the colorful elements, and I brought them into my Americanized clothing. So, yeah, I took or appropriated or used uh, because this style is resistance then I'm going to add little elements that are just going to be just a little different than the norm. Yeah, I may be wearing the suit, but I'm going to just add a something, and a tweak little, it. tweak it a little bit. Right, right. You know, like I didn't, wear, I didn't do it with my pocket square, but typically I used to always be known to do this with my pocket square. Like I used to always do this. 
Oh, I was yeah. always super exaggerated with my pocket square. Right. It was something that I did, it was my own expression. Or I would wear pins, and I would wear uh, buttons, and I would wear women's uh, uh, brooches, and I would put them on. So I appropriated these things, even from women. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I just added it into my personal aesthetics. I and love it. Little by little, made mistakes and then figured some things out. Well, that works for me. That doesn't work for me. That style is good for me. Right. This is good for me. So, yeah. So, are there any contemporary styles that have moved you now? Like, is there any uh, brand or uh, label? I like uh, a guy called uh, Shania Corey. He has a brand called Leisure Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pushes the envelope of leisure, athletic wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I like my friend Harbison, Charles Harbison, who also uh, has pushed the gender uh, mm-hmm. role uh, for his fashion line, and he's been featured in Vogue, so it's in a high level, high right. couture. I saw him at that uh, FIT black exhibit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a very good friend of mine, and he's a wonderful guy, you should reach out to him, fantastic person. So there's Ralph Simmons, there's Rick Owens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like some of the eccentric stuff. But then we had it before, though. Before That's all these right. guys, we had Isimiyaki, Comedy Gasson, mm-hmm. you know, Jujun Watanabe. Mm-hmm. So we, we had that, Chris you know. Uh, yeah, uh, we had, I mean, black designers, you mm-hmm. know, Jeffrey Bean. We, we had them all. Right. We've had them, you know. Mm-hmm. We've had people that have brought our story to the forefront right. in a sartorial way. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've done that. The beauty of what Chantrell is doing is that she is almost like shaking us up and forcing us to remember, mm-hmm. hey, this is how we were. Right. This is how we all always have been. Mm-hmm. So, hey, look at us. Our men, our women, our children, our people, look at us. Mm-hmm. This is how we've always been. Right. This is nothing new. <laughs> And it's I keep new saying, to them, new to them, okay. but we need to, oh, oh it's okay. Um, it, it's, it's, it's good to be reminded. Mm-hmm. It's that reminder. That's what memories are good for, because you get reminded. Hey, get reminded that this is a good thing. Get reminded that we used to dress like this. Get, we don't have to be told that we were kings or we call ourselves kings. It's evident in our style. You know, I mean, when I grew up in Harlem and I saw the guys on Sundays, dressed up looking wild. No, you're absolutely correct. And they were like, (laughs) and I knew that these guys worked at night and they worked at night and during the daytime they would dress and people say, that guy doesn't work. No, because we had to take jobs that were given to us and most of those jobs were at night. Mm -hmm. So I knew about this story way before. Oh, they're just hanging on the street. Mm -hmm. You know, a bunch of hoodlums. (laughs) We're not. (laughs) Yeah, we're not. Absolutely not. We're not. Mm -hmm. So, I watch them, and I watch the, the pride that they have when they wore clothing. I watch the pride of the 60s and 70s of the kids in the Civil Rights March, and people wore beautiful clothing, and the pride and the power that it gave them. But they had other elements that went with it. Their manners and the way they carried themselves also in, enhanced who they were. It doesn't stop a bullet. It's true. But it makes a person think twice before do, do going about it. So if we can change the conversation a little bit then that's changing the conversation but it also it's like empowers us to take and make changes in our lives that will improve our condition our our place if you will we don't have a place i don't like being placed 
we should be anywhere and everywhere we want to be. That was a great interview with Keyless, yeah. Mr. Keyless, I should say. Uh, a lot of gems he dropped. Uh, he you did. know, you get to know him. It's funny. You could, you see his style at, at the moment you approach him. Absolutely. Was, like definitely the influences of of Harlem where he's from. Mm-hmm. He spoke about how going to church. Uh, on Sundays and seeing how people would be dressed to the nines heavily influenced him. Mm-hmm. And I like that the part when he spoke about like the trilogy. Yeah, I like that too. You know, with the barber and cobbler and the stylist. Like you need all three mm-hmm. to actually look the part. And he definitely looked the part. He did. And I mean I, I love when he said that he became a student of fashion. You know, we all don't know everything about fashion. It's an ever evolving uh, subject. There's always things that we have to learn and be knowing fashion is also learning fashion at the same time. So, you know, he went, he did his research. He went through magazines. He went through back in periods of history of time. He absorbed the way the people who dressed around him in his neighborhood looked and that all of that encompassed who, how he dresses today. So being a student of fashion, I know I am, I know Kevin is, you know, there's things that we know, but we also add every day once we learn something. That's true. Like he even spoke about how he would see, um, I guess, stuff that is gender specific to women mm-hmm. that he would take those things and actually incorporate that into his style because it didn't matter who it was meant for it was about who's going to wear it and how you wear it definitely you know? i i have to say just to that uh point is that seeing um you know so many rappers now they get dressed up and go to the met gala ball a lot of them wear brooches that not necessarily you know men would wear um, but a lot of hip-hop artists, such as Nas, when he went to the Met Gala, he had like a really nice brooch on his um, tuxedo. And that really looked well. And I don't think men would approach those things if we would stick to those strict ge- gender-style rules. I mean, kind of like the episode we had a, a couple of days ago about like gender fluidity and how there's the lines are being blurred. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of that, like think about when we had a, the opportunity to speak to Mr. Moore when, you, when right. we talked to him about his thoughts on fashion. Yeah, Darnell Moore is an American writer and activist. He's also the editor at large at Cassius, an online uh, platform. And he had a chance to give us his take on what black dandyism is and black culture and black style. So let's take a listen to what Darnell Moore had to say. Yes. In your opinion, how important is it to have events like these where it showcases uh, blacks' contribution to fashion? I think it's really important, particularly in an industry that is very much committed to centering everyone but black people. I mean, that's just a simple response to it. Um, But not only in terms of, I think there's a way we come to think about blackness and fashion in terms of sort of retail and what we sell, but there's also something to be said about the way that black people shape um, the fashion industry, shape culture, shape trends that are then commodified and, and the industry makes money off of the very the very things we bring to the the very things black culture brings to the industry. And you can see that now with uh, Jabber Dan and the Gucci um, groups. We just saw that this happened this you know this past week. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, but the way that you know the urban becomes something that is understood as a good thing to purchase when it's in the hands of like Tommy Hilfiger right. or Polo. But then urban, if we, you know, if, if it's reclaimed or ushered in by black young people, it is the very same thing that's policed, not only by the industry, but by the state. So for me, it's really important to have events like this that actually center black people right. and our forms of style and our sartorial practices. 
And how important uh, is it to note that black dandyism isn't new to fashion at all? It's really important. I mean, we, we you know, I always say, you know, black culture isn't, you know, blackness and black culture precedes Western ideas, Western culture. And we have to understand that like, our genealogy, our lineage in fashion does not begin, nor does it end with white European culture. And that's so important for us to reiterate all the time. And even if we riff on or improvise European or white fashion sensibilities, it's still, it takes creative energy and self-determination even to do that, right? So that is to say, like, we have to be reminded all the time that, yeah, we have a cultural lineage. And even if our lineage is understood as something that's intermingling with a range of other, with a, you know, with other cultures, we do have the type of creativity that's always been around to reshape and reform styles. It's always been that way. Absolutely. Now, do you feel that the Dandy movement is a way for black men of different cultures from Caribbean, African to African-American kind of bond through style? Absolutely. I mean, I certainly think that there is a way for us to come to, like that. There, there's a connection um, across the diaspora. But I also think it's an opportunity for us to learn and understand that this is blackness is not a monolith. So for me, when I travel to Cape Town and I purchase materials there to get uh, unsurprisingly a romper made. <laughs> but it was important for me to understand where those fabrics came from. To know that Africa is not just a flat continent where all cultures are the same. Um, to know that blackness is different and it, is, it, will, it will change depending on geography and time. So black dandyism as a cultural phenomenon, a global phenomenon, is inviting us to see similarities, but it's also inviting us to see difference in blackness. Now, based on your view of dandyism, what would be the most vital fashion statement we can make as a people? Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> oh my I gosh. Mean, in a short way. I mean, in short, I think that it, you know, as I tried to argue today, it can help us to rethink what um, masculinity is, how we adorn ourselves as human beings, that fashion can extend across a range of bodies. Right. And I think that is so critical that we have to get out this idea that there's a men's section and a women's section. Right, I agree. That I we are agree. human beings and we should be able to shop in any section and put on the clothes and adorn ourselves in ways that make us feel good and safe. I love the part when he was speaking about the black diaspora and when it comes to fashion and style. Mm -hmm. um, he made some very valid points about how you know you can be uh, from the Caribbean or from America or different countries within Africa and we all have something to give but there's so many, so many parts that we add that are similar because we are still one. That is true. I mean, we even see that in music. You know, mm -hmm. like sometimes you hear music from different um, areas of the world and there's things that just unifies it, whether it's like a drum line or, or bass line or what have you. Mm -hmm. Never, even if you're not part of that music scene, you still can hear it and, and kind of get what they're trying to do with it. And I like the part Absolutely. when he spoke about, which is funny how our episode keeps coming back around right. with fluidity, about just shopping in general and not wanting to have of departments, mm -hmm. like not a woman's section, not a men's section. It should just be clothes, and you go and pick what you feel suits you and what mm -hmm. you want to what you want to wear. Right, right. And I think that I mean we we said this early with Ignacio, and I think that helps uh, when it comes to maybe scarves. And, and no one says anyone it, we're telling anyone to 
from the male gender to just go by everything that's female but you know don't cross out a scarf or you could use as a pocket a square if it's in the women's department or a brooch like I said earlier you know crossing those things out can limit your style and you know and in your closet can be very restrictive when it comes to actually uh, evolving what your look is 100% I mean I think uh, definitely kudos to the museum and um, absolutely this, this form and this book and I think it's just the tip of the iceberg we're starting to see more and more people uh, get attracted to the style of dress mm -hmm. I think it's important that people just know that the style of dress even exists and how important it is beyond just the aesthetics it's also a deeper meaning behind dandyism and what it stands for and I think I mean just like Kevin said I, I definitely think people should go out and, and purchase Chantel P Lewis's book it's called dandelion um, and and they said that night that they're hoping that Brooklyn Museum will invite her back and actually make it an exhibit from the photos that are within the books. They're beautiful, they're colorful, and, and it's just if you're a book collector in fashion or art, it's definitely one to add you know, to your collection. Definitely. So from Fashion Decipher, I'm Kevin Moore. I'm Sean Williams. And thank you for listening. Bye. Hey guys. Hey guys. Make sure you visit our website, fashionandcypher.com, to get a visual on what we are talking to you about. Check out pics from events, of guest speakers, and exhibits. If you miss anything we post, you can visit our archives page. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button. Leave your email, and if you like, a comment. Tell us what you think or what you would want to hear on an upcoming episode. Don't forget to follow and friend Fashion Decipher on social media. Check out what we're up to. Speak, Speak with, with you, you next, next week. week.